0: Hello and welcome to the Kitchen Table Theology podcast, where each week, Pastor Jeff Cranston explores biblical theology that provides practical life applications in an understandable way. Thanks for joining us at the table. Let's get started.
1: Hello and welcome to Kitchen Table Theology. I'm your host, Tiffany Coker, and with Pastor Jeff Cranston, we're on a quest to learn what the Bible teaches about theological topics that many Christians find challenging, confusing, and out of their reach. And we're always aiming to do this in a way that applies to the lives we lead. Before we dive into today's special bonus episode, we want to thank you, our listeners for leaving us ratings and reviews. We really are grateful for each one because that is what helps us get the word out to more and more people about kitchen table theology. We're also grateful for our friends at Columbia International University. They are working to educate people from a biblical worldview to impact the nations with the message of Christ. They have undergraduate, graduate, and seminary programs, both on campus and online. You can check all of that out at ciu.edu. In today's special bonus podcast, we have a treat for you. We've had so many wonderful guests on the podcast over the last few years, but Dad, you're the one who is always asking the questions. So I'm here to mix it up a little bit today. I get to interview you. I know our kitchen table theologians are going to love learning a little bit more about you. So I'm excited for the chance to turn the tables here a little bit and have you answer some questions. What do you think about that?
2: I don't know what I think about it, but I I just hope kitchen table theologian don't drive. Don't drive and listen to this because you may fall asleep and run off the road. And we don't want to be responsible (laughs) for any of that. But and again, like I said last week, my apologies for my voice. Hopefully, the next time you hear me, be somewhat back to normal again. But yeah, let's go. Let's see what you got.
1: All right, I'm going to go easy on you to start, but then we'll, well get to some. Well, and this is all
2: questions. pretty much off the top of my head, and
1: yes. <laughs> if, all right.
2: if If you want to hear this, stay on and kitchen to- table theologian. If you don't, I don't blame you for locking <laughs> off. But
1: no, I'm sure you have some interesting tidbits you can share with us. And being your daughter, I do have a little bit of an inside view here. So I know of specific questions that I want to ask. I think people will like to know. Starting with this one, how many countries have you visited?
2: I think it's 42.
1: That's incredible to me. I feel like most people will be shocked by that. So tell us. I
2: may be off a little bit, but I'm not off much. I think I counted it up a few years ago and I think it was 42. But like England, I've been there like 25 times. Oh, my so, goodness. Yeah, that doesn't – that that only counts for one. And for I've been one. to India 10 <laughs> times, and that only counts as one. But
1: What out of all these 42 countries do you have a favorite country that you visited or somewhere good, you would like to go back?
2: I, I always liked going up to the Pacific Northwest of Canada, up to Vancouver and Vancouver Island. That's a really beautiful place. I love New Zealand. I've been there four times. I loved Australia. And I'm a real Anglophile. So I love the UK, especially Scotland, because that's where our Cranston paternal line immigrated from. But yeah, they all are in their own ways. But those are some of the favorites. And you'll notice they were all English speaking.
1: Yes. (laughs) (laughs) I didn't notice that.
2: I'm not exactly fluent in any other tongue. (laughs) All
1: right. For fun, my kids love would you rather questions. I should have mentioned this last week in our episode on what do we do in the car. They love to ask would you rather questions. So here's one for you. Would you rather spend a year at the North Pole or two years in the Sahara Desert?
2: Well, if those are the only two horrific options you're giving me, <laughs> That's I, I would do the year in the North Pole simply because it's only a year. It's shorter. <laughs> yeah, it's shorter. That would all be right. the only reason.
1: All right. Do you have a favorite hobby?
2: Oh, I'm think pretty I boring. I'm, I think I'm a pretty boring person. I do enjoy reading.
1: Well, yes, reading, obviously. You do read a lot. What about, tell us about what you, in the backyard, what all you have out there.
2: Oh, my my vegetables. Yes. I love to grow vegetables and citrus, lemons. My lime tree died in the freeze of December last year. We've got tangerine tree. We've got a grapefruit tree. And I will have more cherry tomatoes than I will possibly know what to do (laughs) with. Sweet potatoes and peppers. Really riding my bike. Mm -hmm. Knee surgery last year hampered that a bit, but I got to get back on it because I'm... Lord willing, planning on doing a 185 mile bike ride in October over five days. So
1: that's yeah, a big event.
2: That's a lot of seat time to, you got to get up to 50 mile days.
1: Whew. Not for me. Easy I just one. need to
2: get one with a motor. That'd be so much easier. <laughs> yes.
1: A motorized bike, like the motorized scooters, that would be fun. Yeah. All right. One more easy, fun one. I know also that you love history. So if you could have coffee, sit down and have coffee with any historical figure, who would you choose?
2: I hate that question because...
1: (laughs) There's too many. There's
2: no way. Yeah. I mean, are you taking Jesus out of it?
1: Sure. Yes.
2: Okay. Well, obviously Jesus, but I have a feeling if I had that opportunity, I wouldn't be sitting down having coffee with Jesus. I would be prostrate on the ground at his feet. I, I love... Theodore Roosevelt. I love Winston Churchill. I'd kill to have well not literally, but I would very much like to have coffee with them. Although I I think Roosevelt would drink me under the table coffee wise. He drank a gallon of coffee every day.
1: Oh my goodness. Yeah, and he died I drink a lot of coffee. Oh no, A
2: gallon a day. Wow. Yeah, that's that's been quantifiably proven.
1: Wow. All right, moving into a little bit of ministry-related questions here. Mm -hmm. Would you mind to share with us how you were called to ministry, how you came to be a pastor? Because when I was born, you were in construction.
2: That's right. Yeah. Well, it really started, I think that the germination of it was my junior year in high school with some other kids from our youth group. With some other kids from our youth group, we started 10-minute morning devotion in the biology teacher's classroom, and we would take turns teaching it. Well, it began to grow to where we would we were averaging like forty or fifty high school kids every morning wow. for devotions, and we ended up inviting one of the Baltimore Colt linebackers who was a Christian. He came up and spoke. We had two hundred kids there. <laughs> And the, the administration, of course, we didn't clear any of this with anybody. I mean, we were just <laughs> stupid high school kids. But it was there that people started saying, hey, I really got something out of what you said, or I, did, I didn't know that. And I had, the only encouragement that I really had in anything in my life up to that point was in sports. But I was certainly not known as a good student. I was a C and D and a th- occasional B student in high school. Because I I just didn't care. I wanted to get out and go play sports. But then you started to have people, I guess, just say encouraging things. And then our youth group in our church, we were encouraged by that. There would be a youth Sunday every so often. And you would get, I think three of us would get eight minutes to preach, which it was horrible. I have my <laughs> first sermon. It's wow. on one side, of a three-hole punched. White paper with blue line notebook paper, yeah, and it's written in pencil. And my title was doing, and <laughs> it would. I get now and oh my word, I can't believe they let me up there with that. But that's way. what started it. And uh, then I went to Bible college because I really, quite frankly, I applied to the University of Maryland, and I, to this day I've never heard back from them. <laughs> so I'm still waiting to see if I've been accepted there. But no one in my family had ever gone to college. My cousins, my parents, and no no one. So no one knew anything about how to go to college. So I just wound up at Bible college, and after two years there, I left because I wanted to go into. I want to be a firefighter, paramedic.
1: Wow! All right. So there you go. And then a few years later, you've finished at Bible college, and yeah,
2: I went back. I, and that's when I think the calling. I started to take it seriously because. I mean, I really, I had no context for any of this stuff at all, a calling to preach or anything. I didn't even know what that was supposed to look like, but it was just like this nagging sense that you're supposed to go this direction. And I never had a lot of light cast on the path in front of me, but it was enough to take the next step and then the the next step. And then I met your mother and she was very instrumental in helping me understand what that was. And her mom, a very godly woman, your grandmother, they were very instrumental in helping me understand what this was. And some great mentors at college, which helped me walk through that and process all that. Yeah.
1: And then you started as a youth pastor first. Is that correct? <laughs>
2: My first job at a church in North Georgia, I was the minister of music, youth, and education. I think one thing that always surprises people is I was a minister of music in two churches and used to sing. I play the guitar. I used to play the trumpet. I love music. I have music on constantly all day long, wherever Mm -hmm. I am. But yeah, to get up and sing, like in our church, if I had to get up and sing, I couldn't get two notes out. I can sing like a maniac in the truck, but I can't, my mind goes blank. I can't remember the words. (laughs) I mean, it's just, I go completely blank. But if I get up to speak, I'm fine. So who knows? Well, God didn't call me to sing.
1: There you go. (laughs) All right. What is one piece of advice that you would give to someone who is just getting started out in ministry? Something that was helpful to you that you could pass on?
2: Yeah, this is the old tried and true answer. But if you can possibly do anything else, do it. (laughs) And that's not a negative toward the ministry, but it will exact a toll and a cost, Mm -hmm. and you will be put through stuff you'd not even imagine. And the only thing, you know, in a couple of weeks, I celebrate 40 years in ministry. And the only thing that has kept me in the game numerous times, was I went back to the call. And I have chapter and verse for that out of Jeremiah and Hebrews and Psalms. So I would go back to those verses and say, okay, God, are you rescinding any of this? And the answer generally was always silence. Mm -hmm. Even when there have been times I tried so very hard um, to get out and go a different direction, but I've never been released from it yet.
1: Yeah. Just being confident in that calling and hearing from the Lord. And I love that you have chapter and verse. I've heard mom say that before too. I love that. Last ministry related question here. We're gonna try to keep this one a little bit shorter. What do you see? This might be a tough question, actually. What do you see is one of the biggest challenges that we as a church are facing right now? And do you have any helpful hints, advice moving forward? How do we tackle this challenge?
2: Well, we have people who listen to this from, I think last year was 39 countries, Mm -hmm. but I just need to speak to the American church on that. So I just need to speak to the American church on that. So what I see is the biggest challenge, and again, this is just my opinion, are weak pulpits, a lack of challenging the culture among Christians, just refusing to engage the culture. The culture is going a hundred miles an hour away from God. And a lot of Christians are just happy to sit back and say, okay, leave me out of it. I don't want to do this. And pastors have gotten so weak in preaching the word. They stay away from difficult topics. And if you have weak pulpits, you're going to have a weakness in the pew. And I Mm -hmm. think that's where we are in America today. Because the pulpits are weak, the people are not willing to challenge the culture. And then I think another big challenge is biblical illiteracy people, right. Christians, even a lot of ministers, it's shocking how little they know, the ones that are coming out, the young ones. Mm-hmm. And our guys on our staff, we we work hard at making sure that they're up to speed theologically and they know the word and that they're in it and they can proclaim it. But that's what we have to have. And so and- kitchen table theology is a part of addressing that biblical illiteracy issue in the church, I think.
1: Yes. And back to that first challenge that you said, I think I can speak for all of us at LCC, that we are very thankful and very grateful to have a pastor who will speak the truth of the gospel, no matter what the culture is saying, or just try not to skip over a passage and be like, oh, that might be complicated. Let me skip over that one. I mean, some of the things you've been preaching through Romans, the Last yeah. few weeks is with some tough topics, but you're handling them. You're presenting what the word says, what God is teaching us about it, even in the face of maybe if culture is saying something different. So we are grateful well, that's for you doing very
2: that. nice coming from you, Tiff. Thank you very much.
1: <laughs> you're welcome. I appreciate I'm that. Pr- proud to have you <laughs> as my daddy if and my they pastor.
2: If they didn't know, they'd think you were my daughter.
1: All right, let, that was a tough question. Let's lighten it up just a little bit. You did mention that one of your favorite hobbies is reading. You always have a stack of books nearby. Maybe pick one or two books that have really impacted your life the most that you could share with us.
2: Yeah, I think one book that sort of jumps out, it it was very time specific for me, but it's called Halftime by Bob Buford. And it was written to an individual who was about at halftime in their life. So around 40 years old. Mm -hmm. And the premise of the book is, what are you going to do with the second half? You know what you're good at now. You know what you're not good at now. Are you going to continue along that route? Or are you going to chase your strengths? And it was very impactful for me. It's It's the reason we moved to Hilton Head in 1999 to take the church. And when we came here, your mom and I said, "Well, let's see if we can stay for ten years." In the back of my head, I thought, "We this is never the average pastor is like three to four years, right?" So this is I'm never going to be here for ten years. But we just said we'll try. And so, if another offer for a church came or another ministry came calling, no, nah, we're gonna we're gonna try to be here for ten years. And uh, here in a few weeks, we'll be here for twenty four years. I love so, that that book. Halftime by Bob Buford was very pivotal for me to hunker down, dig in, plant some roots, stay bloom where your God's planted you, kind of thing. And then, church-wise, back in the 90s, I wrote a book called Twelve Keys. I think it's called Twelve Keys of an Effective Church by Ken Callahan. And it's it's written more for practitioners. But as a young pastor in my first church, and man, if you think I don't know what I'm doing now, you should have seen me in 1993 and four. Oh, my goodness. But that was very helpful. And then anything written by F.W. Borum. Right. Uh, and I try to read a little bit of Borum every day. And I just, I love everything he's ever written. So there's not one particular book, but I think he wrote about 48. So I love them all.
1: Well, as someone who is about to be 40, I'm not too far off there. I wrote down the halftime book and I might need to read that one.
2: <laughs> oh, yeah, I've got it. I've got it somewhere on my bookshelves at the office. So I'll be Perfect. happy to uh, share I it with borrow
1: you. borrow that. Yes. All right. Well, thank you so much for sharing with us. Anything else you want to tell us about you that we might not already know as we're going to wrap it up here? Did I ask you enough questions? <laughs>
2: yeah. I thought at some point you'd ask me if I could do anything else. Outside of ministry, what would I oh, do? Oh, yes.
1: What would you do? You did mention being a firefighter at one point.
2: Yeah, I definitely wanted to do that firefighter, paramedic. And then I would love to be a cabinet maker and I would love to be an off the grid gentleman farmer. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. Just put me on <laughs> 10 acres of the country and everybody leave me alone. <laughs>
1: <laughs> the introvert in you is coming out just a little bit.
2: Yeah, the Great Commission has something to say about that kind of lifestyle, so.
1: <laughs> yes, okay. Well, thank you so much for sharing with us. Kitchen Table Theologian. thanks for hanging in there and listening. I hope you learned something interesting today. And dad, it was just good for everybody to get to know you a little bit better. That We're always eager to hear from you guys, our listeners. You can email anytime, Jeff at lowcountrycc.org. Thanks again for your ratings and reviews. We really do appreciate that. Lord willing, next week, we will be back with another episode, and we will go back to our Bible overview, The Gospel According to John. There it is. Until next time, always remember that the real power of
0: theology is not only knowing it, but applying it. You've been listening to the Kitchen Table Theology Podcast with Pastor Jeff Cranston. Join us next time for more insights into biblical truth. If you'd like to know more on today's topic, please check out our show notes. If you have a question from today's podcast, kindly email us at pastorjeff at lowcountrycc.org. If you're enjoying this podcast, would you consider leaving a rating and review? We deeply appreciate your help in getting the word out. And be sure to subscribe on iTunes, Google Play, Spotify, or in your favorite podcasting app to continue this journey with us as we learn about and apply God's Word to our lives. Thanks for joining us, and we'll see you next time here at Kitchen Table Theology.